So guys, have you ever watched Cat Soup? I think so. It's a pretty interesting story. You know, you got yeah. like siblings trying to save each other, wandering through a vast unknown. Weird stuff that's unexplained. I <laughs> I was disturbed. I you, it was It touched me in places <laughs> I was not comfortable with. Which part of Cat Soup really upset you that much? Uh the like the murderer guy with which one? The one with the <laughs> giant scissors. I mean, oh, who was? Ki- and then he was he in the weird that bird on fire. Look, and the he kids kind of were murderers too. I mean, wh- what happened to them? The um, no, I was just gonna uh, mention his attire. Which one? He had that. Oh, the king he had suit. That spiked. Uh, the American the, Horror the, Story the, season one leather. Yeah, but this is the thing. Sex. It had mouse ears on it, so he has like some weird mm. cat and mouse. Weird fetish. He wants thing. to get maybe to say, oh, his uh, subplot is revenge. My, <gasps> my, it was weird. Okay, so like, it was weird. You can kind of, you you felt awkward about what the cats were doing, like the siblings, yes. because you know, like they had a this, sense of moral ambiguity. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you know, you kind of expect that from cats in a weird way, right? Maybe. Mm-hmm. But my thing was that when that human dude was wearing the gimp suit and torturing little birds, I was like, this is kind of real in a weird way. Like, in, in, a, in an uncomfortable way. Oh, you know what else is, like, real in an uncomfortable way? Like, you, you say it's similar if it's cats, but what if they were humans? In fact, what if they were two it little been, boys? It would have been a lot more frightening. Yeah! Mm-hmm. Speaking of which... The cats made it more digestible. I don't know if maybe you guys have heard of a little show called Over the Garden Wall. I think we should talk about that today. I like Over the Garden Wall, so yeah. Hey, you I'm know what? Let's talk about Over the Garden Wall. Sounds like a pretty enjoyable experience. Hey, I'm Max. I'm James. It's Shay. And I'm Cody. So get this. Like this? Oh, potatoes and molasses. If you want some, oh, just ask us. Was that it? It constantly betr- like betrayed my expectations in the fact mm-hmm. that, and and not in a negative way. I expected something to happen because of the tropes that you see in fantasy and specifically like children's shows. And Over the Garden Wall had a 
had a habit of just like not following the tropes and doing the opposite of it. Like the you know you find the creepy old lady in the woods and you expect her to want to eat people. Well, mm-hmm. it wasn't her. It was the nice little girl that she was living with, and right. the old lady was protecting people. And it you know it 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 used as many times to to uh, portray a lot of themes, but the most common one was that we shouldn't judge a book by its cover. You know the things that these boys are experiencing aren't what they seem to be and that you know that's at the heart of the show that's what it's about you know like we don't know uh what they're experiencing is uh, do they actually live in this world Mm -hmm. are they are they in a dream are they dead we don't know and it it um opened and invited a lot of speculation because we were constantly reminded that nothing in this world is as it seems and that our narrators are just as unreliable as our own perceptions of reality. Yeah, it's like the running theme throughout the entire thing is the unknown. And even the original uh, short film that it was based off of or adapted to television from was Tome of the Unknown. Um, And that is, like you're saying, a common theme of like, is this what we perceive to be on the outside? And you saying that really kind of, you know, reignited uh, what I thought about it, because that's pretty much what happens in every episode. Um, The episode with the school teacher, how they thought, like, the gorilla was some crazy maniac. It turned out to be her... What is it? Her... Her Oh, my lover who's done done me wrong. Oh, oh, Jimmy. (laughs) Oh, Jimmy. You left me. You're such a good little boy, Wirt. Unlike my lover, Jimmy. <laughs> that was weird. That was. <laughs> like, she she did an entire, entire alphabet on the guy. That was extremely Oh, the whole that song is available online, by the that way. They the cut best. away in the show, That's but the, the whole thing's there. Oh, yes. Dear. I think it's, like, hilarious, particularly during that episode. They kept underscoring the fact that you're showing us, oh, there's this whole thing with Jimmy. There's this whole thing with the gorilla. But we're not really concerned with that. Mm-hmm. Like, man, that lady's weird. Yeah. Or, or an offhanded comment to a murderous gorilla in the forest mm-hmm. that no one's all that concerned about. <laughs> until finally, we were forced to confront it. Isn't that, I mean, how most people handle their problems anyway? Like global warming, mm-hmm. you know, civil issues. Uh, you know, it's not it's not real until we have to deal with it. It's there. Yeah. People and are that, suffering. And that's kind of a thing that the show does in general, but with the issue of, like, what Wirt wants. Yeah. What is Wirt going to do? Making up your mind on, like, what's the important decision you have to make here, Wirt? And that's, that's what makes it so relatable, is that, like, we do the same thing. At, at, at our core, we don't want to make these hard decisions because they disrupt, like, this this facade of a, of a merry life. This this fantasy mm-hmm. reality that we want to construct. This early American gothic. You have to leave the, the known and go into the unknown. Um, that's why I enjoy both Wirt and Greg as characters, because they are, in a sense, almost like two halves of the same... Like, they're a person mm. in a sense. One person rather than two. Yeah. Like, the child. There's the child aspect in mm-hmm. Greg, and then Wirt's kind of, like, where we reach that stage in life where life becomes less fantastical and we're so absorbed mm-hmm. in self as well as what the world kind of does to us or interacts with us that 
we see things less fantastical, we're more pessimistic, yeah. and we try to suppress that childlike aspect of ourselves. But you, throughout the show, you start to see that while Greg does screw up a few times, that you're just like, Greg, why'd you do that? Just, just why? His optimistic spirit was just really endearing to me and was kind of one of the driving forces, really, because if it was left up to work, we wouldn't, I don't think we would really have progressed as far as we did. Nothing would get done. Yeah. I mean, it seems like for everyone on this show, they didn't really make any actions except the ones that were done kind of out of guilt or when they finally realized they have to accept responsibility for what they've done or, or what they've caused. Like uh, Beatrice? Yeah. The bird? Mm-hmm. Uh, her whole reason for doing everything she does, like she wants to save her family. She wants to stop being a weird talking bird fluttering through this endless forest of pumpkins. And, and she kind of never tries to hide the fact that she may or may not be betraying War and Greg. Like, you know, she never hides her her true intent. Like, she may hide the fact that, like, hey, I'm trying to save my family until, like, later on. But for the most part, like, I think she asks um, Gregory something, or she tries to save his life or whatever, and he's like, oh, why are you your favor now? Right? Is that... Well, no, that was well, I mean, that she, whole thing well, was her deception. She was always she, well, her intention was to bring them to Adelaide. That's she what, that's did not what I'm know trying, what Adelaide was going yeah, to do. That's what I'm trying to say. Even though the characters themselves may not have known that she was trying to deceive them, she really never tried to hide it. Her her character was very upfront. Well, I mean, she was actually, I would say she was more vague, like. She wasn't outright duplicitous, but she wasn't outright forthcoming either. She was kind of... You you felt like she had ulterior motives because of how, like, dodgy she was. Yeah. Well, And that's what at, I'm... I'm saying that more in the sense of the audience. Well, I don't know. Here's the thing. Like, even how you meet her the yeah. second time, when she's... And these are air quotes that you can't see, guys. When she's trapped in the bush, which she wasn't, it was just literally a ploy to get Greg to, like, yeah. pull her out. Yeah. She can get out. Mm-hmm. But she also needs to ingrain herself into these kids' story. Yeah. I think an um, interesting part of that is it kind of goes back to the theme of somewhat uh, Greek and European sort of folklore in which... Um, nature and is kind of this realm of the unknown and it's dangerous. There are things in there that will tempt you to go down paths that kind of just send you into places you're not really comfortable with. It's or, a golden fleece. Well. A, an odyssey type journey. I. Oh, okay. I yeah, liked, sorry. Yeah. I, I know things now that I've been taking screenwriting. So no, no, I thought like, that was directed like at me. No, no, no. No, no. <laughs> I, I really liked the the fact that um, I like the kind of the purgatory uh, theory that was out during the time because it, mm-hmm. it was super appropriate because right. mm-hmm. none of the people were solving their problems. This world was stagnant until Wirt and uh, mm-hmm. Greg. Greg like were interacting with it. These people lived these flawed and like nonsensical lives and everything was wrong mm-hmm. but it still functioned and so no no one wanted to solve their problems and you know 
were and Greg were kind of that way before interacting the, with the world. They they were um, detached and they they represented these th- schism like these uh, these these themes. Um, you know, like you said, they're kind of like the two halves of 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 people: the adventurous, optimistic half and the worrisome, um, glass half empty half. And you know this this duality, this stagnant nature, is perpetuated throughout the world, and only through them interacting with it did it change in both them and the people. Like ultimately, they were the only force in the world that was causing any sort of change and difference. And um, also going back to the the theme of uh, betrayed expectations. I the way it was setting up, I honestly thought Wart was going to get with Beatrice at the end and say like, ah, oh, you know, like forget the world. Maybe. But my I liked that well, they didn't go that direction. I liked how in the end it was like we have to go back to reality, you know, like didn't I feel like uh Wart not clear. I think it was subtle hints throughout the whole thing there are all these subtle hints that this is not where they belong exactly not even of the forest world I mean there's a point where uh, I think War even asked is there a phone yeah that was the first <laughs> that's the big thing that threw me off that's yeah. in like the first or second episode mm-hmm. where I was assuming that they were just in this old timey forest yeah. I don't know how to, how you describe mean, it's it. It's like, not it's not uncommon for the time that they were depicting to not have phones, but it is kind of like something you see in more contemporary. It seemed more like not before phones existed. Yeah, it was like, like well, I'm saying like and everything. like maybe Thomas Edison e well, era. I think like per I get, yeah, I could see that like 1800s. Like per episode, like it kind of like fluctuated between like the, at one point you're feeling like more set in colonial times. And another time you're kind of dealing with like ger- early Germanic, not early Germanic tribes, but like society developing there. And then there are tales like the Brother Scrims, where you're having stories where kids go into the woods and they don't usually come back from those sort of adventures. There are a lot of, um, and I can't say this specifically or point out examples, but I'm just gonna be like, you know, it's very metaphysical, um, but only in the parts where like this being just one giant metaphor for life in general. Because if you think about how the boys arrived in this world in the first place, it's almost kind of like, you know, uh, them making their way through and out of uh, limbo, kind of. So that kind of equates it to, you know, like Odyssey or even Dante's Inferno, which is one Mm -hmm. of the examples that I thought of automatically when I was watching it, you know, and it's not like seven episodes, but like, you know, each situation and scenario just gets kind of worse and worse and worse and more bleaker to the point where they're like, you know, this is not, you know, this fantastical American world that we live in. Yeah. I think Dante's Inferno is a really good, um, really good comparison because when you look at it, like each person is suffering mm-hmm. because of their own character flaws, the, yeah. the environments that they've created, the world that they're living in, the, the kind of stagnation that they're experiencing is each tied to their, their failings as an individual. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, um, there was, um, the elderly man who owned the tea making company and how he was constantly like he had 
delved himself into extravagance just to make up for this loneliness that had enveloped him and the more he tried to like just get more expensive stuff and just like flourish it the more he felt alone and in that loneliness he started to delve in what he thought was madness because yeah, just being completely unsure of yourself right even when you've built this whole thing Mm-hmm. And everyone almost struggled with a different, like, each episode, and that's what I really liked about it, although it had an entire story arc, each episode, you know, had a conflict that was solved, and each person learned a completely different thing about themselves. Even when you weren't expecting it to be something. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, the mm-hmm. one, I would say, out of all of them, <clears throat> that surprised me the most was the pumpkin, oh, pumpkin city. Yeah, that was the main one. Yeah. Where you're that, sitting there that, thinking. That was... They're totally gonna kill these kids. Yeah, <laughs> this is over. Oh, <laughs> we're oh. gonna die here. Nah, this, this is just just a manual labor. This is yeah. kind of just like Hades. You know, the whole death just kind of exists here. There's nothing inherently good or bad about it. They're just going on with their lives in this dimension. That is. Yeah, was well, the fringe quote like nature doesn't recognize good or evil; it only recognizes balance and imbalance. Hmm. And if you have these two brothers, where it's even only very lightly hinted on for the most part that Greg feels a a distance from uh, sorry not Greg that Wirt feels a certain Mm -hmm. distance from Greg not just because of age but because of their different parents the fact that Mm -hmm. they his parents remarried or his mom remarried um yeah I think um another thing we should note um the length of this short uh, uh this miniseries was very appropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with the miniseries <clears throat> that are, you know, a single arc story, it's difficult to find the correct of, amount of episodes. You don't want to go too long uh, because you end up meandering and you mm. lose kind of the, the potency of your story uh, telling ability. But if you're too short, you leave a lot desired you leave a lot of things un- unanswered but i really appreciated that for over the garden wall it was just long enough it didn't leave me wanting more and it it also didn't bore me and it, it al- answered questions like in within that appropriate amount of time it answered just enough for you to want to continue and it felt very much like an event you know it premiered two episodes a night or was it for two weeks? It was one week, right? Mm. Nobody remembers? No, not let's exactly. Go, let's just lie and say that we know for a fact it was one let's week. Let's just lie two and say that we watched it live on TV. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, two episodes. Yeah, we watched it live on TV October 2015. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it aired two episodes a night for a week. Mm-hmm. I remember being a kid and watching these sort of things where like, oh, I have to come home and tune in for this and that's, there's, there's not a whole lot of that anymore mm-hmm. you always get reruns um, but I think event television is making I mean maybe not but I, I would hope event television is yeah. making a bit of a comeback just in time for Halloween it has to I mean yeah. like right now with uh, uh, purely streaming shows being becoming more popular a reason to watch broadcast yeah television oh. needs to compete like NBC's yearly musicals Broadcast, mm-hmm. which are of varying quality, but we're not here to talk about that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think right now we're in this awkward time where 
things like Over the Garden Wall need to be produced for people to stay interested in television. Otherwise, you can just get all these services off of Hulu or Mm -hmm. Netflix. Like, Over the Garden Wall, in its original iteration, was an experience, you know. It is something that people could crowd around their television and watch together at night and enjoy and then be satisfied with at the end of it. You don't get that in television a lot. And because of the available of uh, availability of internet, like you're not really getting that in terms of uh, viewing television or TV shows or shows. Period. Yeah, the unsaturated theme television. Like I think it's also kind of part of how before before where you could just have a video uploaded on the internet and then even if you miss the event, you could just catch it up on it later. But before then where the events felt finite, like you had to see it, otherwise right. you weren't going to see it again. It had to be experienced then, otherwise you lost something that was... There's an old episode of The Simpsons where uh, Lisa and Bart's favorite show, The Itchy and Scratchy Show, there's a, a special episode where, for once, Scratchy kills Itchy. Or, sorry, Itchy kills Scratchy. <laughs> rather than, uh, it's... If you don't know what Itchy and Scratchy is, that's not as... I mean, it is as dark as it sounds. It's like Tom and Jerry. Yeah, yeah except on... More violence. More visually violent. Mm-hmm. More graphically it's violent. It's a satire of it. Yeah. But, like, they were trying to get home in time so that they could watch it, and they couldn't because the TV wasn't plugged. And then they came back, you know, you had Crush the Clown saying, man, that was really great. If you didn't <laughs> see it then, you're never going to see it again. Because I mean, how but did no one else schedule their VCRs? I mean, come on. This was the early 90s. You're expecting a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, we... I People watched... couldn't t- put the, the clock on their VCR. That was a break. Originally... That was an old. That was an old meme. An old cultural meme. Yeah, How do you set the timer on the VCR? Yeah, no. No one knows how to Especially, like, older people. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. No, but uh, the good thing about Over the Garden Wall is that, like, I I originally watched it online by myself, but when I... When we sat down and watched it together, when we, like, plugged up, you know, the laptop to the TV. It was a different experience. It's always a different experience and it's a watching better experience. with other people. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's how really Especially how films... this group of friends cuz we're awesome. Yeah, Basically. So you guys should totally want to watch stuff with us. Um no, like that's film in general and television is really how that's how it's intended to watch with others so that you can have it's an evolving experience. Um one of the things I really liked about Over the Garden Wall is that <clears throat> gave kids a lot of credit it because these are the themes you know in this are really heavy yeah and much more than like i would think would even like for them to put this on cartoon network was very bold because I, like i said like i i touched on it before this is based off of a short film that was not exactly it wasn't televised, or it was maybe it was, televised. I think it was but an it wasn't, Cartoon Network. Yeah, yeah, it was thing. very, it was very underground. It wasn't mainstream, so then they finally adapted it to a full-length miniseries. But you know, that's not the type of thing that you would usually see. And for Cartoon Network to decide to put this on uh, television, definitely prime time when like everyone's home, it was a really big step for them, a really bold move. 
it was it was also digestible though. Like, yeah. It presented these very deep topics in a manner that even like children uh, would understand on yeah, some like, level. Yeah, like like in timing as well as it still had like love, common humor that kids would see and notify and understand. Um, but it, it was layered, so it was yeah. still something that we could enjoy as people that are are older and more. Because mm-hmm. I'm pretty, hopefully more uh, yeah. developed. Like especially towards the ending, you know, especially with moments involving the beast, you know, a kid can see that and automatically identify from you know common schema that this is not the good guy, and even in some parts where it kind of solely talks to us as the adult audience you know the kids would see that and still notice yeah there's there's something more to this than you know laughs and sad and like i mean like we we haven't even hit on like the woodsman and the beast relationship yeah was i i you know at first the woodsman you're like who is this crazy old man and then you like you start to respect him as a character Mm. and um you know the beast was actually pretty terrifying and the fact that you know you didn't see it made it even worse it's Uh, that unseen like terror that you don't know if it's gonna be something that's relatable to you like it could look like a person or it's gonna look like a monstrosity that it goes back to the whole unknown (laughs) I mean it was super psychosomatic right it was was something that you can you can relate to on a subconscious level this these are it was a it was a thing that that is supposed to be primeval mm-hmm. right in its nature it was also like that unseen hand partially because it was continually trying to one go after wart and uh greg but also convincing the woodsman to pursue them because of their whole deal where he uh chops down elderwood trees to fuel the lantern and mm, should i spoil it or should i just say we'll we'll um. s- <laughs> Put a pin in it. Put yeah. a pin in it. All right. Spoiler alert. Yeah. But like, I've been thinking about this lately, not just because of Over the Garden Wall, but the idea that we kind of take this retroactively paternalistic view of how children think. <laughs> I was thinking about it literally last night, that we'll always be amazed that like, wow, this kid is not a complete moron. And then I remember, <laughs> and it's, but it's what was I like? The, yeah. And it's only because of the media that they produce for children that you know, makes us think that. Yeah, because we were children once, and, mm-hmm. like, are we anywhere near where we are now? Of course not. But we also are nowhere near as dumb as, for some reason, the threshold into adulthood into adulthood makes you think children are. I think the, the issue is that um, it's easy to uh, misinterpret childlike, you know, curiosity and... Um, inexperience with naivety and you know there we are as children naive and you know we are not fully developed mentally but we're emotionally intelligent exactly Mm -hmm. like look at greg yeah like he's very silly he's very childish but he's dealing with this older this new older brother that he doesn't know exactly what to do with and he's dealing with his place in the world that he doesn't exactly know what to do with. And so he has all these imaginary, well, not imaginary friends, but he's making these friends that are not, I, I don't even know how to put it into words. So you've got like he's the rock kind fact of overcompensating. that he stole yeah. the frog that he can't figure out what to name. He stole the rock. What'd I say? You he's, said he stole, no, and then 
Oh, sorry. He, he kind of got it. onto the yeah. He finished oh, yeah, with yeah. Still the Rock, and then mm-hmm. he went on to um, the frog that was ultimately named Jason Funderburger. Mm-hmm. And then it's what it was kinda, he named in the short? In the short, um, it, they didn't give him a name. No, they they gave him a name immediately. They did. I, I and someone said they, I thought it was you who said it. No, because they when they were introducing it was um, Beatrice, it was Wirt, and then it was Gregory. But it was Greg holding up the frog. Oh, because Greg is Gregory. Yeah. Well, I mean, the frog was also Wirt at one time, so yeah. who knows? Oh, okay. Changed his name up a lot. Like Greg he, with two G's, which is not Greg with two G's. It's Greg with three G's. Yeah. Um, the storytelling and uh, the this was definitely a really good example that I've seen in a long time of the whole good versus evil. Because it's been kind of wild, and in my opinion, good versus evil has kind of gone downhill to the point where it's just become kind of hokey. And the way that good is portrayed is good is portrayed, obviously, by Gregory and Ward. Gregory being, you know, still good, but still, you know, doing things that uh, don't conventionally, are not conventionally deemed as good. Like, maybe stealing money from this old man because you know we need it but he he's not gonna miss it or anything and then the evil being the beast um um mostly you know he doesn't come out directly as mean i mean we know obviously by how he looks visually that he's not that he's the bad guy but as in he tries to appeal to the character's sensibilities so he's saying like oh you know, Gregory, you want to save your little brother or your older brother, right? I'll help you with that. He's, come, come over here. You he's know, the devil. Yeah, he's yeah, he's not some mustache twirling supervillain. Yeah, he, he appeals to your desires and he appeals to the things you care about. Even yeah. your good and desires. he gives yes. off an air that he is somewhat empathetic with that, and yeah. it fools you into trusting him enough to where you he, he tells live. you he tells you happy lies. Well, I don't know if he, well, no, he, he gives off the appearance that he's empathetic. Yeah. He's well, not like empathetic, well, but enough to convince <clears> you that. Happy lies. <laughs> just tilt your direction to not think. Oh, the I'm helping not me doing will help the, you. Yeah, just yeah. deception overall. Well, he yeah. he makes you think that he's powerful, and that's the thing. Well, yeah, well, just because he he had like he doesn't have the power that he says he has. He's mm-hmm. not like in the end you find out that he doesn't have the souls of the hunts the woodsman's daughter. Daughter. Mm-hmm. It he just he tricks people, and oftentimes it's it's our own capacity to believe in you know the the power of other things when it comes to fulfilling our desires that that's our downfall the 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 woodsman was desperate enough to believe that this uh beast still had the soul of his daughter and he was willing to go that extra that extra bit to to ensure that that she was saved like that that's that's something that's not, you know, new to us, but it, it was portrayed really well here. And if you think, like, if if the unknown... I'm sorry, the if the beast's form MO of evil is to deceive you into doing something that you think is just for a goal that you think is just, while ultimately it's not actually what you're going to get, how does that relate to Beatrice? And I guess we can go she's into spoiler probably, territory for a few... She's, like, full neutral. 
Well, no, I mean, like... I wouldn't say she's full neutral. She, she believed... She, she didn't believe that anything... Would, yeah, but she also didn't believe that anything she's bad would neutral. happen to Wirt and Greg. Yeah. Or at least she let herself believe yeah. that nothing bad would happen to Wirt. She Goes probably knew on some level. Yeah. But that's not her problem. And she let it not be her problem mm. until she realized, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think that was kind of... I've made a huge uh, mistake obvious through like um work and Beatrice's like interactions oh. with the world they would continually come across these little <clears> misadventures <throat> and they'd be like uh yeah we don't have time to deal with this we got to do other more important stuff yeah. to us and then greg of course has to be the guy who leads us off and to the and direction it kind of takes it back because we watched we rewatched it follows earlier this week which dealt with what am i willing to do to save my own hide which is very much what beatrice did in a very different way not by uh, literally screwing someone over, <laughs> but by figuratively screwing someone over. Well, yeah. But it, it doesn't always work. And, he, and I mean, like, you know, humans have that capacity to rationalize that away, and it's it's nice that the show was able to portray that. It's it's a, it's a It was showing that, you know, we have the capacity to to do things that we hopefully normally wouldn't do, if we can trick ourselves into believing that yeah. it's the only way. So what's what's everyone's depressing, childlike Halloween costume going to be this year? <laughs> I haven't decided. Uh, what, what's Halloween again? Oh my gosh. <laughs> you poor thing. I don't... I... I guess I'll just dress up like a potato or something. Oh, oh. Are you going to be a couch potato? Ooh, french fries. <laughs> don't be french fries. You're better than it, that, James. You should, you should ride a motorcycle, and then I, like, the chickens will be all jealous. Interesting thing to bring this back. One of my costume ideas is like just to wear a suit with a rain jacket. Not a rain jacket, like one of those clear... This is like the scene from American Psycho where he smashes yeah. his and Jared Leto's head. Yeah. yeah. Kind of do that sort of deal. Which reminds yes. me of Hannibal Lecter, oh. who in the TV... Oh, well. <laughs> Continue. In the TV show <laughs> Hannibal, he's rep- his dark side's kind of represented in Will Graham's... The, the protagonist Will Graham's mind as a creature that looks a lot like the beast from Over the Garden Wall not even a lot it's exactly the same like this shadow figure with antlers and glowing mm-hmm. eyes mm-hmm. Um, well anyway uh, I don't know is that anybody got any closing thoughts I would like to say that um, this show was heavily influenced by uh, German folklore Mm-hmm. And if you if you enjoyed it, uh, you should probably look into that. Some plugs. You're yeah. plugging. That's your plug for the week. German. The folklore. entire yeah. German folklore. Yeah, for I mean, folklore. The Krampus. Genre. Go see the Krampus yeah, in I mean, theaters. This ho- this I'm, I'm excited season. about that. Like, okay, is it a comedy? Is uh, it a comedy? It's a dark comedy. I think it's a comedy like, in the sense all that... All of um, these comedians... Well, I mean... I think it's a comedy in the sense that Unfriended was a comedy. If you've heard the Krampus story... This is like, me leaving the room now. You no, know, I'm, be- I'm dead serious <laughs> yeah. about that statement. It but had UCB it, people in it. But Unfriended was not aiming for comedy. But it had UCB people in it. Basically. And it was hilarious. No, I mean, think about it. Okay, Go, the, I understand how you would think that going into Original it. Krampus story... Yes. No, no, I don't think know, it was intentional. Yeah. You know, but. you... The... You're a bad kid, you get stuffed mm-hmm. in a sack, and you get beat yeah. by this evil monster Santa Claus guy. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, like, 
Hey. The Germans have a great sense of humor. Germany, <laughs> Germany, Germany, Germany. Why does your holiday season have to be so problematic? Have you not okay, read beating I'm children? Living in Germany, face, living in Germany man. for what? Like three years? They were bad kids. Living in Germany I, for I three don't years. I don't remember any from, of that. Are you not? Familiar? I didn't see any German of the folklore. When I was a kid in Germany, no, I don't remember any of that. I don't even remember. They probably Krampus. kept it away from the I, from the U.S. I went to German children. kindergarten. Oh. Maybe it was more contemporary. You were they probably did. a good kid. You didn't get put the in Krampus or I mean, obviously, Pete. I would hope that huh? Black Pete or Krampus. Both. Neither. Neither. I'm but not that's, but, super surprised by the Krampus thing. Yeah. I'm surprised that you didn't see anything with. I mean, but those are older. Black Pete. That's still pretty big. Wow, I don't <laughs> remember really? that. Yeah. What is this Black Pete? Black Pete. Black Pete is a uh, Santa's, it's Santa's helper. helper. Who Did you ever is dressed see... in contemporary blackface? Yeah, <laughs> except it's it's an old it's so terrible. It's, it's an old thing that people. Oh, there's a lot. That's a lot to unpack, and this isn't a uh, hashtags. No. German folklore. Check it out. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's, it's dark. Pretty, you it's can brooding. I kind of got you the more easy, sense you, of American you ever... Gothic. Folklore. No, that's what I got. German folklore no, because it's definitely German folklore. Not, not necessarily by the folklore, but definitely the Strongly scenery because and of everything the happening. Yeah, like no, visually. No, visually it's still German. German, yeah. Um, yeah, no, trust me. If you look at, uh, like, German, like, towns in the 1800s. Yeah. It's very, very much similar. like that. So Interesting. There are, just, lo- there are a lot of just villages in Germany oh, yeah. around that time where they're just completely surrounded by woods. It's Oh yeah. And I guess the only other plug I could finish up with is that by the end I was really glad that it wasn't some magical fairy godmother that helped fix Wart and Greg's problem. It was more it was along the lines of like not human ingenuity, but just them trying to solve it the best way they could and not overthinking the situation, but I don't know where I'm going with this like I can uh, and this has been so good this oh. <laughs> no, 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 I'm going for my Halloween costume. I'm going as a slutty wart. This uh, is really problematic. Like germ, we should go to Germany then. Yeah, there you go. Wait, is German Halloween problematic? Do they have Halloween? I don't think they're. Yeah, they have Halloween. They have Oktoberfest. Yeah. Ooh, that's that's what I'm talking about. I just want to get a Das Boot and just like. I cannot guarantee that this last like. Eight minutes or so. This show is even going to make it to air because I'm it, not it loving should. it. <laughs> <laughs> we should. All right. Ignore everything after that. So um, this has been. So get this. this. I didn't know we were all going to say it together. I mean, yeah, we well, did, we rolled with it though. It's whatever. This, this should stay in this yeah. last part. <laughs> yeah, that was my intention. Bye. Good job. Very meta. It's meta.